You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Janine Bitson, and I'm joined by Brad Gray. We have had an incredible first hour. Yeah. Uh, the last half hour, oh my goodness, I want to talk to Devin all day <laughs> know, long. Know. You know, I, I think this would be a really cool idea for a retreat. You know, we mm-hmm. have the men's retreats, we have the women's retreats, and those are vi- vitally important mm-hmm. when men get together with each other yes. and women get together with each other. And I know we have marriage encounter and tre- retreats, but wouldn't it be just kind of fun to have a retreat where you just delve into the 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 masculine and feminine genius in a crowd of 2,000 people, you know, just to really hit it hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bring the two together. And I mean, you can, from my work with, uh, with Retrovi, I I see how much uh, work can be done, how much uh, progress can be made when you both have husband and wife with the same vision, working toward the same goal, even, even if they've got big things that they're trying to work through, if they're both looking at it from the same lens um, and with the same end in mind, like that we want to be, we want to know how to love one another better. We want to know how I need to change, how I need to receive more fully my identity as his beloved son, beloved daughter, and respond to that more generously um, and communicate to you your your value, your worth, uh, you know, like there's just so much that can be done in that. Yeah, and you do that in Retrovi or Marriage Encounters, mm-hmm. but even as Devin was saying, yeah. this is for all men, yep. even 18-year-olds who aren't right. married yet, who are discerning maybe that vocation of marriage, or even if they're discerning priesthood, how vitally important right. that is when they minister and spiritually direct couples. That's fatherhood, too. I mean, yeah, you're, you're there you're as right. a priest. That, that's being a father, absolutely. But, yeah. I mean, it'd be really fun just to have something like that yeah. focused on the male genius and mm. the feminine genius and yeah i'm sorry i'm I, talking I like the idea out i like loud, the idea but, to do, uh, have to look into that okay. oh. <laughs> all right well i like this whole aspect of of mother father all of that that kind of really points us toward our next guest we've got kelly wortman on to talk about this this um reality of adoption so good morning kelly thank you for being with us good morning happy all souls day happy all souls day to you as well yeah, and it's even happier if we're praying for souls, right? Yep. We have to just yeah. really, really keep that in mind that this day is for us as souls on pilgrimage, mm-hmm. but it's also for those who are in purgatory waiting and begging and needing our prayers. You know, there's a little bit of, uh, I think, preemptive back-scratching where you pray for the poor souls in purgatory so that when we get there, there'll be saints that can be praying for us. <laughs> yeah, we, we certainly <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but you're right. <laughs> Oh, well, Kelly, we're so uh, happy that you're here with us. What an important ministry that you are helping to head up. And uh, can you just introduce yourself and and tell us about your work with Trinity Adoption? Absolutely. So my name is Kelly Wortman, and I am an adoption social worker for Trinity Pregnancy and Adoption at Catholic Social Services in Rapid City. Mm. Um, we provide pregnancy support case management and adoption services across the entire state of South Dakota. Wow. How long have you been working with, uh, with the Trinity Adoption, Kelly? Um, I started working at Catholic Social Services in 2020. Great, great. So tell us a little bit about the work that Trinity Adoption does. So in 2021, our Family Services Department at Catholic Social Services went through a rebranding 
as we started to cover adoption services across the entire state of South Dakota. So now we're known as Trinity Pregnancy and Adoption. And our mission is to serve the adoption triad across South Dakota in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hmm. We have a domestic infant adoption program, and we provide services to both families waiting to adopt as well as expectant parents considering adoption. And then we also offer adoption from foster care, contract services, and a pregnancy support program so that we can expect we can connect expectant women and families with community resources and provide parenting education, op- options counseling. So women can really come to us whether they want to parent or consider an adoption plan. We can help them set up a plan for both circumstances. You know, I, I love that it's called Trinity. I mean, isn't that just so right. beautiful? I I just really like that a lot, Kelly. So I applaud you guys for naming it the way you did. Uh, you know, really bringing God into this whole um, just parenting situation right. and ultimately right? we've all been adopted into the family of the trinity right 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 so that that is very cool so what is adoption month i mean how how do you and how does having an adoption month raise awareness about adoption issues yeah so adoption month has grown a lot over the last 40 years it started out as adoption week in massachusetts in 1976 And then in 84, President Reagan established a National Adoption Week. Mm. And then in 95, um, President Clinton declared November as National Adoption Month. So the goal of Adoption Month is often focused on the need for adoption of older children, especially out of the foster care system. Um, But at Trinity, we like to recognize everyone in the adoption triad, which which are the birth parents, adoptive parents, and adoptees, Mm. and provide education on adoption issues as they affect all parties. And our goal is to provide trauma-informed support and education. So we recognize that there's always loss in adoption, but out of that loss grows many blessings. So we want to recognize the many different parts of adoptive family stories. Yeah, that's, that's vitally important because what a great gift of love for a mother to allow her child to, mm-hmm. to go f- to an adoptive family. I mean to recognize that how hard that has to be. I mean, when you think of motherhood and that every child that we have, we have their DNA living forever and ever a part of them in our bodies. You know, we're never fully separated ever from right. our children. And so for uh, a single mom, uh, a, a situation where they feel that love for that child to give them a better opportunity, wow. Yeah. Uh, thank you for helping those women who are making that choice. Yeah, I was uh, I was moved by Kelly. I was moved by the point that you made that there's always kind of trauma with adoption. Uh, so my wife and I were actually pursuing adoption here in recent years. We spent about a year and a half working on this to adopt a child from the Philippines, and then we wound up with one of our kids really coming down with um, severe health problems that has paused our own adoption journey at this point. Uh, as we kind of try to deal with that. Um, but one of the things that is we're going through the education, the, the training that uh, is involved in in preparation for adoption was this this idea, you know, you kind of have a, a romantic view where, you know, we're going to come in and the, the little girl's going to be like, mom and dad, and, and uh, you know, embrace us. And it's all going to be just roses from there on. And they, they talked about how um, there can be real trauma where this this child is also leaving 
all the people that they've known up to this point in their life. Like in, in certain ways, there's almost a, a similarity of, of kidnapping. You know, in our situation, where it'd be going from internationally from um, from a, an adoption center versus, like, let's say, a foster home. But that even though this is a really good thing, uh, it, there's there's there is that loss, right? There's there's the fact that um, what I what I had originally or what I what I knew before is all gone. Uh, and perhaps that's more that's different uh, in international adoption, more different in international adoption than domestic, where it's like I'm never going to go back to this country again, perhaps, or something like that. Um, so I guess my question is, first of all, did you say that that you focused uh, exclusively on domestic adoption? And then could you talk a little bit about like that aspect of of trauma that's involved with adoption, and really how there can be a beautiful fruit that comes out of that, a real uh, you know graces that flow out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, um, we are always strive to be trauma informed. So, whether it's international or adoption from foster care or domestic, there is loss, there is trauma. Um, what we do with that trauma is is up to our families. But it's mm-hmm. just important to recognize the story. Mm-hmm. So, bringing about God's blessings in adoption um, is really how we stay trauma informed. Um, trauma is kind of a scary word when we, when we, you're right, we do have this romance of thought that adoption is all rainbows and butterflies, but just as we educate ourselves about adoption and the loss that takes place, the better we can serve the children, but, and all of members of the adoption triad, um, in their journey and in and their I, growth. I think that's one of the things that I've found is like the formation that's given through the adoption, um, the centers that we're working with for adoption, they really do an amazing job of, of forming us as parents um, to, to know, you know, some of the things that we can anticipate, but also just even more broadly, I think there was, there's a lot of my own, my, our parenting of our own existing kids that uh, has really been blessed and enhanced. Like, how do we, how do we have this attentiveness to the needs of our kids? Um, especially when, you know, the, the phrase that they'd use in the international adoption was kids coming from hard places. Um, you know, like there's there's a there's a need for a more perhaps uh, aware and attentive parenting that that certainly benefits uh, our existing children as well. And it just was it's been such a blessing for our family, even going through the process of preparation for adoption and and just learning for me as a dad to to learn how to grow as a father. Um, because all of us, no matter whether you're in adoption or not, we all deal with trauma. Like that's a, just a reality of human life, right? Yes, yes, absolutely, and even in work with um, biological parents, it's really important to have parenting skills, so if they do choose to parent, um, they can really build their toolkit. Mm Yeah, we we in our family have been really blessed. We have uh, a couple international adoptions that have just really made our, our... our whole family, my husband's side of the family, just really rich uh, with with them joining us. And then, um, but we've also have fallen through adoptions that have brought, brought great sorrow, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in that we weren't able to have that child join our family. Um, but yet you talk about you know, those those great graces that can happen. And that one following through adoption ended up creating a foundation to help thousands of children uh, in the country of Paraguay. So, I mean, there's ways that we can use this trauma um, to, to really 
you know, do more of God's work, Mm -hmm. you know, beyond that. Uh, And the same for women who have given up their children for adoption. The fact that you have some open adoptions, can you explain, do you do, uh, can you explain to our listeners what that would uh, constitute? Yeah, absolutely. So, in the past, um, closed adoptions were more common, especially, like, previous to the 80s. Now we really encourage open adoption. We want women to know that adoption is not giving up. Mm. And an open adoption, um, they can have a relationship. So that adoptive family becomes their extended family. They're not co-parenting by any means, but they can have a relationship with the family and with the child. And that really benefits all parties. So a child's not wondering, why did my mom, why didn't she want me? Mm-hmm. That's a really, really sad thing to see. But when you have an open adoption, you have that relationship. You can ask those questions. You don't have to daydream. You don't have to wonder. So open adoption is really beautiful. Awesome. We are going to have to take a quick break, but we want to come back and go more into this because it is such a beautiful, beautiful gift, this this, uh, reality of adoption. uh, And we're in the month that's kind of especially focused on this. So uh, stay with us. We'll be back with more Real Presence Live and go deeper on this in just a moment. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Di Filippis of St. Luke Productions. Mother of God, if Mary is really the one giving birth to God, if she bears him, who is the death of death and his life in the full sense of the word, this being the mother of God is really a new birth, Nova Navitas, a new way of giving birth inserted into the old way, just as Mary is the new covenant in the midst of the old covenant, even as a member of the old covenant. This birth is no dying, but only a becoming, a bursting forth of life that casts off dying and leaves it behind once and for all. The title, Mother of God, points, on the one hand, back to the Virgin. This life is not received through the everyday dying and becoming but is pure beginning. On the other hand, the title points to the assumption. From this birth comes only life, no death. This new generation does not demand the surrender of the old self as its sine qua non. Rather, it affects the ultimate validation of the whole. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. 
Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Janine Bitson. And I'm Brad Gray. And we are having a wonderful conversation with Kelly Wartman uh, from Rapid City, South Dakota area, who is a, she's a counselor, an adoption social worker uh, with Catholic Social Services, uh, with the um, Trinity Adoption Services. And, and Kelly, I'm just so grateful that you're bringing this awareness over the airwaves today because every child should have a home i mean we're all children of god and we we all have those needs um you know food clothing shelter love i mean uh family community and what you're doing is so incredible and so important so what is the current perception of adoption and and what do you think needs to change I think that birth parents are the most under-recognized and under-appreciated group when mm. we're speaking about adoption. From the pro-life movement, especially, we're often so focused on offering adoption as an alternative to abortion that we might forget to stop and provide compassion and empathy to women facing unplanned pregnancies. Um, making an adoption plan is, is hard, and it's doing women a disservice to make it seem easy. Mm-hmm. So a common phrase you might hear is that a child was given up for adoption, and that's a very outdated term. Um, what message does that send to adopted children and birth parents? We don't, we don't want adopted children to feel that they are unwanted. Um, we don't want women to feel like they're giving up. We want them to feel while the decision to place for adoption is hard, it's ultimately very brave and loving. And I, I spoke about open adoption earlier, that it's it's really a beautiful thing for those families to have a lifelong relationship. Mm-hmm. So, Kelly, do you find um, in most cases that adoptive parents uh, receive support and, and um, encouragement from those around them? Or are there scenarios where family or friends or other people are, are kind of questioning, why are you adopting? You know, that... Um, you know, especially like in our situation, we we've been able to have several biological children, um, and I think sometimes it can be kind of a a quandary for for those around. Like, why would you look at doing that? Or do, what what's the scenario that you're seeing as people are approaching the question of adoption? Are they generally finding support from those around them, or is is it sometimes like an uphill battle? No, I I really think that um, our community in South Dakota is very supportive of adoptive parents and people wanting to build their family that way. Mm. On the opposite end, I think some people can be very judgmental towards the women who are wanting to make an adoption plan, Mm. saying things like, oh, I could never give up my child. Um, And that's sad, but yes, I think, yeah, it goes both ways, doesn't it? Well, and and I guess that kind of brings us to this next thought process, you know, like, how can the church get involved with Adoption Month? I mean, how can the church be that role to help um, bring unity and solidarity in this whole Mm -hmm. recognition of the need to adopt these children out of foster care uh, from birth mothers who, you know, reluctantly don't want to um, have to make that choice, but, you know, through open adoptions, can feel like, you know, they still are part of their child's life. I mean, what can the church do? I mean, that's a huge question, right? Uh, what yeah. does, how, how does they, how do they get involved? Yeah, so absolutely not everyone's called to adopt at any moment in their life. Um, there's, 
a huge need for adoption and foster parents. Um, there's lots of children waiting in the foster care system for permanency. Um, on the domestic infant side, it's a little more complicated. There's two, two million couples in the U.S. Hmm. waiting to adopt an infant. There's 36 couples waiting for every infant there is to adopt. Wow. So, um, so it's a little more complicated than it seems. But just because you're not ready to adopt or you don't find the need, for, especially for infant adoption, really consider foster care. Um, and if you're not ready to do that, there's different programs, uh, especially in our state in South Dakota, um, that help you set up a ministry that serves foster and adoptive families. Um, one of them is called RAP, so W-R-A-P, stands for Words of Encouragement, Acts of Service, Respite, and Prayer. Um, that's through a program called South Dakota Kids Belong, and they uh, block churches how to set up a ministry to provide practical support to foster and adoptive families, um, taking them a meal, mowing their lawn, offering respite care, and praying for them. Um, there's also a program through South Dakota Kids Belong called the Foster Friendly App, and that gives businesses the opportunity to provide um, foster and adoptive families with discounts and deals with their business. Mm. Um, that's a really cool thing. And the other thing um, churches can do is just make themselves make themselves aware of resources in their community that serve expectant families. Um, know where your local pregnancy center is. Know where your adoption agencies are. Um, they can really point point them to us, especially at Trinity, because I'm like a nerd. I educate on my, myself on all things pregnancy and birth and postpartum, depression, stuff like that. Um, I can be a one-stop shop to provide that case management. Um, and then the last thing would be just to educate yourself about accurate adoption terminology. Hmm. Um, because words have impact, and using supportive terminology... It's a really simple way that Christians can show love to expectant women considering adoptions. I think that's a that's a big thing that I uh, discovered as we were going through the the training and the formation for adoption is that like there are a lot of words that we use unconsciously and without any sort of malice at all that uh, can communicate things that we don't intend to communicate, right? Yeah, um, I, I know a lot of us probably don't like the term microaggression, but. Um, there's a lot of microaggressions in adoption, and we've, it's just a way to show compassion and empathy um, to just educate yourself about certain terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what are what are some of the biggest needs that you have at, at uh, working with Trinity Adoption? What are, what are ways that that people can be supportive of the work that you're doing? Um, we have a really big need for um, sharing stories of our adoptive families. Mm-hmm. So. On our Facebook page, um, we have families waiting to adopt, waiting for an infant, and sharing their stories. So I put up their profile books that adopted or expectant families can look at if they're considering adoption. So the more you share our content, um, the better that families can come find our resources. Um, I also offer a pregnancy support group on Zoom, and I'm just really looking for those referrals. Um, because a lot of people don't know we're here, and they could really benefit from the information and the support we can provide. Mm. Say, Kelly, what are so what are some of the common hesitations 
that you encounter of people considering adoption? And what would you say in response to some of those hesitations? I think the hesitation is very reasonable. Um, they want a parent. Um, they just don't have the resources in their life at that moment. Um, they want a relationship with the child, and they don't know about open adoption, so it's my job to educate them about what that can look like. Um, yeah, usually it's just a lack of resources, not ready to parent. Um, don't typically see teenage pregnancies. Um, that's a common misconception that, that expectant women are all teenagers that want to choose adoption. Typically, um, a parent that wants to choose adoption is um, maybe a little bit older and has a few kids and does not feel like that they can support another child. Mm. Um, so they, they know the realities of what it takes to raise a child, and, and they're a little more reasonable. Mm. We only have two minutes to break, but I do have a question. Are, do you think there's potential adoptive families that are just afraid of adopting an older child? Not really, you know, I don't know. Are there misconceptions with those potential adoptive families about adopting an older child? It, it might be fear and just not ready for it, but... I really find that that pre-adoption education that's required of everyone really sheds a new light on the blessings of it. Um, it's just like open adoption. Many families are so scared of open adoption. They're afraid of what they see in the movies, that someone's going to come take their child away. And once we educate them and provide them resources about what it really looks like and the benefits of it, um, they're much more open to that. So I think it's just an education well, that, that is really wonderful, Kelly, that you've been on here this morning to to help educate our listeners, to help educate Brad and I, yeah. you know. I mean, there's, um, we just all want to belong to a family, right? I mean, ultimately, we all want to mm -hmm. belong to God's family and for, you know, good um, Catholic, good Christian uh, families out there to be open to um, growing their family in this way is just really special and for our church to really help support that. So Yeah. Yeah, Kelly, thank you for being on with us this morning. Thank you for the good work that you're doing there. It's, it's something that's very personal to my wife and myself. And, uh, you know, we're just grateful that, we, that there are resources like you out there. Yes, thank you for having me. And anyone that wants more information, our website is trinityadoption.org. That's easy enough. trinityadoption.org. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. We do have to take a quick break once again, but we'll be back with more Real Presence Live right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. As Catholic people, we recognize our lives are gifts from God. Blessings received are a result of God's grace and goodness. Our Lord entrusts us to be good stewards of His many gifts. 
We are called to conduct lives that honor Him and bear witness to our faith in Jesus Christ. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio. As we begin a new year, let's reflect a moment on stewardship. Your life should provide an example to others in the way you live your faith, the way you manage your possessions, and the way you plan your estate and personal affairs. You have spent a lifetime acquiring your assets and living your faith. Fortunately, we can provide you with an estate planning guide that allows you to put all of your important information in one place and enable you to document your intentions. To request an estate planning guide, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Have you ever worried about someone's salvation, especially one who died by suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. Sometimes the state of their soul seems to cause us fear for their eternal fate. They die in what seems to be a hopeless state of sin and unrepentance. However, Jesus says in 1698 of the Diary of St. Faustina that what looks hopeless to us is in fact not so. He says that many times the soul illuminated by a ray of his final grace turns to him in the last moment to receive complete forgiveness of all sin and punishment, although we see no external signs of this. Wow! We can see why Jesus said that divine mercy is mankind's last hope of salvation. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help.